Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Jason, one of the pastors here, and we are honored that you have chosen to start the week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian Church. I want to welcome all of those who are joining in online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful to have you. Look forward to having you come and visit us at one of our campuses. And speaking of campuses, welcome in to Prescott Valley. Uh, so grateful to have you as a part of the Quad City family. Today, I want to begin by asking a couple of questions. Here's the first one. Have you ever been hurt by someone else, whether emotionally, relationally, physically? Uh, Maybe they did it on purpose. Maybe they did it on accident. But here you are days, weeks, months, years later, and you are still bearing the scars of something someone else has done to you. Hurt by somebody. Raise them up. Let me see. Okay. Most of us. Okay. Uh, Let's go to the flip side. Have you ever hurt someone? Well, again, maybe you didn't mean to. Maybe it was accident. It was a misspoken word. It was an outburst of anger. It was a poor decision. It wasn't purposeful, but you know, days, weeks, months, years later, there are some scars that other people are wearing because of something you've done. How many of you have ever hurt somebody? Okay. If you did not raise your hand on either of those... Congratulations. Okay? If you've never hurt anybody, you've never been hurt, then good on you. You're living a charmed life. You're dismissed. Okay? Like, there's no reason for you to be here for this message today because this message is for the rest of us. Okay? Today, we're continuing this series that we've been in, talking about some of the parables of Jesus. And as we've said from the beginning, the parables of Jesus are not just good sermon illustrations. They are often the sermon. They are the point that Jesus is trying to make. Um, And so Jesus tells this story today, this parable that we're going to look at today. And the parables of Jesus, for those who have ears to hear, eyes to see, whose hearts are open... They reveal powerful truth to those who close their eyes, dumb their ears, and have hard hearts. They reveal truth. Today's parable is given to people who have eyes open, ears open, hearts open. He tells a parable today that we're going to look at, not to the masses, not to the crowds. This is a parable that Jesus tells to his disciples. 
And the subject of this parable is forgiveness. Now, third question, how many of you want God's forgiveness? Like at the end of the day, you're looking, counting on God's forgiveness of you. Again, I'm just going to bank on the fact that even if you didn't raise your hand, you really do. Like, even if you don't believe in God right now, you're like, yeah, I mean, if there is a God, I would like he or she or it or them or whatever, whatever's on the other side of whatever this is. I, if there is something out there, I want to be forgiven. I, I want that. Like, I want, personally, I, I want to be forgiven of all of my sin, like all of them. I want to be forgiven of the sins that I committed on accident. I want to be forgiven of the sins that I didn't know were sins when I did them. I want to be forgiven of the sins that I did on purpose. I want to be forgiven of the sins that I made reservations to go and do. I want to, I want to be forgiven, forgiven of the sins that I bought a ticket to go sin, right? I want to be forgiven of all of it, like, like all of it. I want to be forgiven of the sins that I said I would stop, but I haven't yet stopped. I want to be forgiven for all the ones that I've asked forgiveness for and even the ones that I didn't know I should ask forgiveness for. Like, I want complete, utter, all, total forgiveness, big, small, known, unknown, for, accidental, purpose. I want all of it. To, to be, I want to be forgiven of all of it. And I think if you think about it for very long, you... You probably do too, which brings us to this question. Do you give forgiveness as completely as you want to receive forgiveness? Like when you think about your life, do you offer generous forgiveness to others that you hope God offers to you? That's what we're going to talk about today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or turn them to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, that's where we're going to go today. It is one of Jesus' most comprehensive teachings on forgiveness. Now, just a little context. In Jesus' day, most of the rabbis would teach that when somebody sins against you, you need to forgive them three times. Like, they sin against you once, you got to forgive them twice, you got to forgive them three times. You gotta forgive. If it goes beyond that, you don't have to forgive them. Because if they've sinned more than three times, then they're not really repentant. And repentance requires a change of action. So if it goes beyond three times, you don't have to forgive them for that. Like, that's the cutoff. That's the backdrop. That reality is the backdrop for what we find in Matthew 18. It says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? So Peter says, oh, most of the rabbis say three, Jesus. How many? I'm just curious of you. I think seven. I would forgive seven times, Jesus. What do you think? Like, G Peter takes the three and doubles it plus one. I mean, I'm just that holy. Jesus, what do you think? How many times do I need to forgive? To which Jesus replies, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, hey, Peter, take your generous forgiveness and multiply it. And then multiply it again and then again. Multiply it 11 times. You think you're being generous with seven? I'm telling you 77 times, Peter. In fact, that may not even be the best translation. Some of your Bibles have at the footnote that some translate it 70 times seven. That's how many times, Peter, you think seven's great. 70 times seven. The number isn't the point. Jesus is 
It's trying to help Peter understand. Just take whatever you think is generous, Peter, and you multiply it and multiply it and multiply it to absurdity, and then when you're done with that, do it again. That's the point. There is no, there is no number, Peter. And Peter's probably thinking like we would be thinking, why would I do that? I mean, what would motivate me to forgive somebody 70 times, seven times? What would motivate me to forgive someone who's hurting me over and over and over? That doesn't make any sense. Because he's bought into the idea that many of us have bought into, and that is, that is that forgiveness, when I offer forgiveness to somebody, it somehow lets them off the hook. And there's a reason you think that. There's a reason we believe that. And the reason is because whenever somebody hurts us, whether it's physically, emotionally, whenever somebody sins against us, when somebody wounds us or harms us in some way, there's a sense in which they become a debtor to us. That sin always creates, always a debt-to-debtor relationship. That's what sin does. It creates a debt-to-debtor relationship. That they have taken something from you and now they owe you. That's how sin works. They took your innocence. They, they took your relationship with your children. They robbed you of the opportunity to kiss your daughter goodnight every night. They stole your peace of mind. They robbed you of your happily ever after. And now they owe you. They took something from you. Now they're indebted to you. Which is why we say things like, you owe her an apology. There's a debt-to-debtor relationship. She is going to pay for that. Because they now owe you something. So they have to pay. I mean, these are the words that we use to describe this phenomenon. It creates a debt-to-debtor relationship. Which is why Jesus taught us to pray... Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because sin creates a debt-to-debtor relationship. And since sin creates that kind of relationship, why would I keep forgiving that debt over and over and over again if they're just continuing to rack up the debt? Why would I keep forgiving them? And Jesus answers that story by telling his disciples a parable. There was a, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So Jesus starts this parable by saying there's a king and the king was owed money. All of his servants and the king's ready to settle up. We're going to get all of these accounts squared away. And one of the servants who is brought in owes him 10,000 bags of gold, the text says. Now, the actual Greek phrase is that he owes him 10,000 talents. If you have a Bible, you can actually find it in your footnote. That's what it will tell you. It was 10,000 talents. Now, talents is not they could sing really well, they could dance, or they could do magic tricks. That's not what he's talking about. 10,000 talents, talent was a sum, a weight of measurement for money. 10,000 talents. That's what this guy owed him. And again, I've said this before, since you did not laugh, it just helps you to know that you don't recognize how ridiculous what 
Jesus just said here. That this guy owes 10,000 talents. All of the people in the audience would have rolled their eyes, groaned, or doubled over laughing at the thought of owing 10,000 talents. It's just not possible. So to help try to contextualize it for you, I brought a little prop with me today. This is a 20-gallon aquarium that is filled with 10,000 marbles. Like legit, there are 10,000 marbles in here. Okay? And I want these 10,000 marbles to represent for us the 10,000 talents. Okay? A marble is a talent. Now, the idea, here's the, here's the crazy thing, to help you understand how, how ridiculous this is. A talent was the largest denomination in the Roman world at the time. The idea that you, as a commoner, you little peon people, would ever even get to the place where you had one talent in your presence is pretty ridiculous. Like, we talk about the top 1%. That'd be like the top half percent in the world. Would ever even have one talent? Let me try to help, again, paint the picture. In my other hand here, this is going to be hard because I know you guys aren't going to be able to see it. And there's nobody on the front row here today. But in this hand, I don't know if Justin help me out. I have a BB. All right, it's actually there. It's a little shiny copper BB. All right. Now, this little BB represents a denarius. Okay, we talked about this last week if you were here. A denarius was a coin that a everyday worker, a skilled laborer, would get for a day's wage. Okay, one denarius equals one day's wage. Okay, that's, that's what I have in this hand. To help you understand the value of a talent versus a denarius, a day's wage versus a talent, one talent is equal to 6,000 days wages. It was very convenient for me that they actually sell BBs in a bucket with 6,000. This is literally 6,000. I didn't have to count them. It came with 6,000. 6,000 days wages equals one talent. Okay? So think about that for a moment. You work every day for 6,000 days. In other words, 6,000 days wages would take you roughly 20 years to get. 20 years. 20 years worth of your wages get you one talent if you don't eat. Okay, are you tracking with me now? 6,000 days wages equals one talent. And Jesus says, this guy, he owes 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. I mean, this is, this is mind-boggling numbers for those who are sitting listening to Jesus. This number is outrageous. And that's exactly the point that Jesus is trying to make. Let's keep going. Since he was not able to pay, okay, so a few of you are laughing. Now you begin to understand just how ridiculous, of course he's not able to pay. Like nobody could ever pay. This number is so astronomical, it is beyond belief. 
Again, 20 years worth of a day's wage equals one talent. One for 20 years if you don't eat, which means that it would take the average laborer 200,000 years. 200,000 years every day you save in your money to pay off this debt. It's utterly ridiculous. And let me try to help you think of it this way. If this story was true, and it's not, it's a made-up story. If this story was true, and this guy who owes this much had been working off this debt every day since Jesus told the story, and he's been saving up all of his denarii every day since Jesus told this story, he would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty years worth for two thousand years. He's paid off ten talents. This is what he still owes if he's been working every day. And not eating for 2,000 years. This is what he still owes. Are you beginning to understand the depth and breadth of this debt? Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And again, this, the master knows I'm not getting this back. Like, he sells, I'm going to sell him, I'm going to sell his wife, I'm going to sell his children and his grandchildren and all of his stuff. And if he does that, you, you get about 500 denarii for one slave. Like this, it's, it's chump change. It's nothing. It's nothing. This ordering his repayment is not about recouping his money. It's about punishment because he's never going to get the debt paid off. If he, if he sells them off, and all that he had to be sold to, re- he's not getting his money back. But the guy hears that I'm getting sold, my kids are getting sold, my wife's getting sold. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. <laughs> Which is, again, utterly ridiculous. There's zero chance he could pay this back. Like, ever. It's just not, it's not going to happen. It's patently absurd. But what happens next may be even more absurd. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. The guy says, I'll pay back everything. And the master takes pity and cancels the debt. A debt that literally could not be repaid in 2,000 lifetimes. And the master doesn't say, well, just give me everything you got and I'll let you go. And he doesn't say, shake him down, take all that he has in his pockets and we'll call it even. He doesn't say, give me a percentage of your wage for the rest of your life. He doesn't set up a repayment plan that reminds the servant of his debt every day for the rest of his life. The the master does none of that. Instead, he marks off all of the debt and says, canceled at the bottom, paid in full. You do not owe me anything. And he lets him go. Again, just try to put yourself in this story for a moment. 
Imagine, imagine you're this servant. Let's try to put it in terms we might be able to understand. Imagine you go to the bank today, or you get a call from your mortgage lender. And they call you up because you are so far behind on your payments of your mortgage. Like you are super in debt. And they call you and they say, look, we recognize this isn't getting paid. And every month that you're not paying, there are fees attached to the non-payment. And because you have not been paying for so long, your interest rate on this mortgage has skyrocketed. And now it's to the position to the place where you are racking up so much every month that we realize you're never going to be able to pay this. And we got together as a board of the mortgage company and we've decided to cancel your debt and gift you the house. You can have it free and clear. You owe us nothing. How would you respond to that? How would you feel if that happened to you today? If you were under the weight of that kind of debt, no doubt you would, you would weep for joy. You would be overwhelmed with, with gratitude for their generosity. You would walk out of that place with, with such gratitude. You'd tell everybody what happened you would be so amazed. It would be life-changing in that moment. And that, that is a drop in the bucket of what this guy received. Of what this guy was forgiven. And here's how he responded. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. This guy, instead of being overwhelmed with gratitude of what he had been forgiven of, he immediately walks out and goes and finds a fellow servant who owes him, the text says, a hundred silver coins. Now again, if you have your Bibles open, you can look at the bottom. There's a footnote there that tells you what the actual Greek phrase is, is that he owed him a hundred denarii. He owed him 100 days' wages. That's what he owed him. Now, it's important to note, this is not an insignificant amount. A hundred days' wages is a lot of money. Just imagine working at McDonald's for minimum wage, roughly 15 bucks an hour is what most of them are getting. Just 15 bucks an hour, eight hours a day for a hundred days... 12,000 carry the one, the zero. That's about $12,000. A hundred days wages working at McDonald's is about $12,000. That is not insignificant. That is a, a significant amount of money. Or we could frame it this way. A hundred days wages is roughly five months worth of a salary. About five months worth. Imagine your salary. What is five months worth of your salary? That's what this guy was owed. It is not an insignificant amount of money. And so he leaves the meeting, goes and finds this guy who owes him a hundred denarii, and he begins to choke him and say, pay up, give me my money. 
And then the scene, the prior scene, plays out again. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. The second servant did exactly what the first servant did. Dropped to his knees. Please give me time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Except this time it's realistic. Like you could pay off a debt of 100 denarii. In fact, many of you have been in debt that would equal five months of your salary. You've had a debt that is worth five months of your salary. You bought a car. You bought a house. You went into credit card. You've paid it off. It isn't easy. It takes time. But you can pay off this debt. But the first servant refused. He wants his money right now. And if he doesn't get it right now, he's going to dole out punishment through sending this man to prison until he can pay off the debt. In other words, pay, he's going to throw him into prison forever. Because you can never pay off the debt of five months worth of work if you're in prison not working. Now, this, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. They're witnessing this guy come and shaking, pay me my money. And the guy begging, no, no, no. And so the other servants are freaked out and they go to the master and say, you better come take care of this. This guy's gone crazy. He just choked out his servant and had him thrown into prison. Wait, 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 what? He had him thrown into prison. Why did he have him thrown in? Because he owed him 100 denarii. I mean, we get it. That's a lot of money. But again, imagine you're the master. And you recognize what just happened 10 minutes earlier. That that same servant was just in your presence begging you. And you forgave this. You forgave 10,000 talents worth of debt. You forgave 10,000. Now, we need to remember when the master forgives 10,000 talents worth of debt, that debt did not just go away. The consequence of that debt did not just evaporate. No, no, no. The servant was relieved of that debt, but that debt was still incurred by the master. He was owed 10,000 talents. That came out of his bank account, and now it is never going back. He bore the brunt of the weight of all of that debt. It's now his. He has now lost out on that debt forever. He was the one. It cost him when he forgave it. And now not only has he lost out on what he was owed, that 10,000 talents, he's now also lost a servant. This is a fellow servant of the guy who owed 10,000. He works for the master. And now not only has he lost out on the talents, one of his servants who is working to help benefit the master is in jail. He's lost out double at this point. And he's not happy. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. 
Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master is furious. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. He didn't just throw him in jail, but he is going to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. In other words, he will be tortured forever. Jesus' point here is simple, but it's not easy. For those of us who are in Christ, we are that first servant. And we owed the master 10,000 talents. And in Christ, our debt has been forgiven. This was your debt. To which I know there's some of you and you're thinking, <laughs> that may be your debt there, Pastor. Not me. Not me. I mean, I'm, I don't know what you've done, but I've, I'm, not, I'm not that bad. I've never molested a kid. I've never killed anyone. I don't abuse animals. I don't beat my wife. I mean, my debt can't be that big. I'm a good person there, Pastor. And honestly, I don't, know, I don't know exactly how it all works, how sin against God works. I don't, I don't understand it completely. But I, but I do understand this, that the consequence or the weight or the debt that sin creates is never really about the sin. It's, it's always based upon the worth and the value and the greatness of the one sinned against. Sin, the debt that sin creates, the consequence of sin, is never bound up in the sin itself. It's always bound up in the greatness and the value and the worth of the one who is sinned against. Let me try to help you understand it this way. You lie. It wasn't, it wasn't a question. I'll just let you know. You lie. Like, you lie a lot. If you're a parent, you lie to your children. Like all the time. Hey, Daddy, can we go to the park? Maybe you lie. You have zero intentions of taking them to the park today. Like none. You're not going to do it. You lie just to keep the conversation moving. That's what you do. You lie to your children. And what are the consequences of lying to your children? Not much. You just go right on with your life. It doesn't, very little weight. Now, you lie to a friend. Uh, there's a little more consequence to that. You lie to your boss, mm, a little more consequence. You lie to your spouse, mm, like you, you make a habit of doing that, there's going to be some pain in your world, right? It's going to come with some hurt. You lie to a cop, it gets even worse. You lie to a judge, it's even worse. You lie to a federal grand jury, you're going to prison. Okay? The sin is all the same. But when you sin, the, the one you sin against determines the weight of that sin. 
So imagine your lie now is not to a federal grand jury, but to the holy God who created everything, the Almighty who knows all, sees all, and you lie to Him. What is the punishment? What is the weight? What's the consequence of that sin? What is that going to end up costing you? And now, now, add up every deceitful thought you have ever had, every impure motive, every longing look, every greed-driven desire, every selfish ambition, every outburst of anger, every misspoken word, every time you were supposed to be generous but weren't, every time you didn't do the right thing you knew you should do, every time that you ignored God's nudge into your life, every second, every second that you allowed bitterness or jealousy or anger or fear to rule in your heart instead of faith in God, every moment that you've enjoyed in a God-mocking movie, every unloving action that you've ever taken, every moment that you've put your will in front of God's will since the day you were born until right now, you add all of those up and there are not enough marbles that we could put on this stage to help you see the deficit that you're in to a holy God. This was our debt And it was canceled because of Jesus. And still yet, there are people in our lives who have hurt us. They have hurt us. And it is not an insignificant hurt. Like wrapped up in this debt that they owe us is a lot of pain and a lot of tears and a lot of scars and a lot of of generational pain that will will bear out scars in the lives of our grandchildren. There's a lot of pain that is, that is held up into this. This is not insignificant. Unless and until we lay it beside the debt that we owed. It is... It is not insignificant until we lay it beside. And then all of a sudden, us being forgiven of this becomes the motivator of why we can forgive this. This is our motive for forgiveness. It isn't because what they did here was okay. It wasn't because what they did here didn't matter. It isn't because what they did here didn't hurt. No, no, all of that's true. The only motive is, I was forgiven of this. So I'm going to forgive this. And I know even as I say that, there's some of you thinking, I can't. I mean, it's easy to say, Pastor, but you don't know how they hurt me. And you don't know... You don't know how much pain this has caused, and you don't know how it's affected my family, and you don't, you don't know the trauma that I still bear in my soul because of what I just, I can't. I can't. And you're right. I don't know your pain, and I don't know how they've sinned against you, and I don't know the, all the consequences that have borne out in your life. I don't know that. But here's what I do know. If you want to be forgiven, you don't have a choice. 
You don't have a choice. Again, listen to Jesus' words. Don't hear me saying this. This comes from Jesus. Listen to his words as he concludes this parable. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of this debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant to forgive them? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then that's the end of the parable. And just in case we didn't get the point of what Jesus was trying to say, he clearly articulates the point of the parable. This is Jesus' clear explanation to Peter, who is on the receiving end of this parable. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This master, what did he do when the servant didn't forgive the other servant? The master reinstated all of the debt that the first servant owed and threw him in prison to be tortured until he could pay it all back. In other words, he reinstated the debt and tortured him forever. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This isn't parabolic anymore. This is Jesus' explanation to his disciples of the reality that he wants them to understand. And this is not the first time or the only time that Jesus connects God's forgiveness of us with our forgiveness of others. In fact, it happens three other times in the book of Matthew alone. Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive others, other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. These are red letters. You forgive, you will receive forgiveness. If you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. He says it again, Mark 11. I said Matthew, it's actually Mark. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Why would I do that, Jesus? So that your heavenly Father, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Do you want to have your sins forgiven? Then you have to forgive. If you hold anything, forgive them. So that, so that, your Father may forgive yours. Here's another one. This is in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us to pray and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Don't miss that. Many of you have prayed this prayer thousands of times. Did you know what you were saying? Did you realize what you asked God to do? Forgive 
my debts as I have also forgiven other people's debts. What you prayed every time you prayed this prayer was that God would forgive you like you have forgiven others. God, base your forgiveness of of me on the way that I have forgiven others. Forgive my debts as we have forgiven others. Is that really what you want? Do you really want God to base his forgiveness of you on the way that you have forgiven others? Is that really what you want? Because that's what you're asking for. And whether you ask for it or not is kind of irrelevant because that's exactly what Jesus has told us is going to happen. In these other texts, that's what he says is going to happen. We have to do this. And again, it's important to know, forgiveness is not saying this was okay. And it's not saying it didn't hurt. And it's not saying it didn't matter. What you're saying is, you don't owe me anymore. It was significant. It was significant. But I'm not going to try to be the debt collector any longer. As if you could pay me back for what you've done anyway. As if you could restore what was taken from me anyway. That's irrelevant. You don't owe me anymore. I'm not going to hang on to this and it's not going to hang on to me. Now we could talk about it. I could stand up here and I could give you other motivations for why it is that you should forgive. Well, because it's not actually hurting them, it's actually hurting you. And the bitterness is making this life more difficult for you and ruining relationships. I could give you all of those motivations for why it is, how it benefits you, that you should forgive others. But Jesus in this parable does not give us any of those motivations. The motivation that Jesus gives us is, if you do not forgive, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you. You, if you do not forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's the motive that Jesus gives us in this parable. So the application is really simple today. You have to forgive. And again, you know that. The issue isn't the what, it's mostly the how. How do I do that? Well, you do exactly what the the king did. He wanted to settle accounts. You need to settle accounts, which means you need to get out a piece of paper. You need to pull up an Excel file. You need to to settle account. You need to write down specifically everything they took from you. You need to write down every way that they owe you. You need to write down everything that has made them indebted to you. You need to make a list, and it should be long. Every single thing that they have taken from you needs to go on the list, and then you need to what the king did and walk through every single one and scratch them out and say, I forgive you for, and I forgive you for, and I forgive you for, till you get to the end and it says you now owe nothing. That's how we forgive. That's what the king did. And again, I know there's some of you in here and you're like, I just can't. And I get that. Which is why many of us need other people to help us walk through this process. We've got a process that we've done to help people do this exact thing hundreds of times in this church, maybe thousands of times. And maybe you need some help because you're hanging on to an unforgiveness that you just can't, you just can't let it go. Let us help. 
Now, there are some of you in this room, and you can't let this go. Because you've never experienced what it means to have this taken off of you. You are so burdened by your own sin, you've never experienced the grace of Jesus to have the weight of that let go. And so you're clinging to this in hopes that somehow that will alleviate your pain. But when you fully recognize, you fully feel the weight of all that you have been forgiven of, when you begin to recognize all of, all of the consequence of your sin has been taken off by Jesus, oh, that makes forgiving this a whole lot easier. But you'll never be able to forgive this unless you first experience what it means to be forgiven of this. And again, we want to help you to do that today. So we have to forgive. Make a list. And ex experience the forgiveness from God. So that in your life you, you can share the forgiveness of God. Lord, I pray today that through your spirit, you would do a work in us to show us the dark places in our soul where we're still harboring unforgiveness. And Lord, I pray that anybody in who is still walking around with the consequences of 10,000 talents of sin weighing on their heart and their mind, that they would, they would experience freedom from that today, freedom that's available in Jesus. And that as the rest of us begin to recognize what we have been forgiven of, that we would walk out of here today so joyous and excited and celebrating that we would offer forgiveness that we've received. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.